Hello everybody, I'm Chinsia and this is Stories of Glamour Justice. Did you hear that? This is the podcast music 2.0. <laughs> My friend Julian Linus made a great job adding some piano and cello to the track. Because yes, we have original music at Stories of Climate Justice. Alright, on today's episode I talked with Ivan, a young guy from Kampala, Uganda. He and a bunch of other friends started a project called Abayuti. They do a lot of things, but one of their first action was to organize a campaign to help climate refugees in Kasese, which is a region in Uganda that was heavily affected by landslides and floods. You'll hear him explaining all the details of what is going on there and how they gave them some relief. He also told me about the action they organize on Sundays when they go collecting plastic around the ghettos of Kampala and also the educational work um, about environmentalism that he's doing with kids. We also talked about the importance of African climate activists and how he wishes that there would be more space for figures from Africa. He made a very good point, I think, saying that some climate activists that are more known should at the same time raise someone with them, bring someone else with them on the journey. Because climate change is not an issue that can be solved by single individuals, but rather by a collective effort. This made me reflect a lot about how much space and resources are given to activists in Europe and in the US, as a result also of our post-colonial biases and we don't even consider years of fights and struggles from other parts of the world and what they are already doing there. So I don't want to say that there is a right or wrong way of activism but it's of course undeniable that we know very little about grassroots activism and communities that are not only advocating for action but at the same time already in facing consequences of climate change. Because when it comes to extreme weather events and desertification, time scales are totally different. In Europe, in the global north, we always talk about goals in 2050, while if we look at the global south, these are problems of today, if not yesterday already. Well, Ivan is a great speaker, so I don't want to take more space here. I leave you to the interview. You'll see, uh, it was just a great conversation because he has so much enthusiasm and positivity about this voluntary work that they are doing. It's just very, very inspiring. As always, share the episode if you like it and reach out to me on either on social media, we are now on Instagram or to the email account of the podcast because I love to hear your comments and your thoughts about the episodes. I leave you to the interview with Ivan. Great, so good to have you here, Ivan. Thank you so much. Um, do you want to introduce yourself? 
tell, tell us a little bit about you. Yes, Chinzia, um, I'm so much pleasured uh, for today's meeting. Uh, my name is Ivan uh, Romuchitoma, but I, would, I prefer Ivan Kata. Um, I'm the president of our youth community group. I just call me the team leader of our youth community group. Uh, Abayuti is a word picked from Luganda. Luganda is one of the languages in Uganda. It simply means the youth. So that's it from me and Abayuti. And where are you now? Um, right now I'm in Kampala, Uganda. And uh, this is where our projects uh, are done from. We based from Kampala, Uganda. Cool. And and how did you how did you start Abayuti? What um, what's the story behind behind your project? Um, the way we started our youth, we really had this name from our childhood. Uh, there is a way. There is a way we just feel every time we find our friend, and we call them Omoyuti. Omoyuti is someone who is uh, ready to work with a with a friend. Omoyuti is supposed to be loyal to uh, the community. So it's simply like a slogan which keeps us together and then which unites us. Every time you just like a code, a friendly code. So that's why we uh, opted for this name. And what really inspired us to start our Yuti is because of the environment we grew up in. Um, we grew, most of us grew up from the ghettos and uh, a lot of things happen in the ghettos, mostly things that have to do with um, pollution and um, breaking the law. And other stuff, you know, that um, is not in line with the with uh, with law. Maybe some some people there smoke weed openly. So that's it with uh, with the ghetto. So what inspired us most is the community that raised us, and actually what is happening in our countries. So we decided to sit down next last year, and then we start our UT. And 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 you started with some friends. Yeah, we were seven people when we started. Uh, we started seven people. We are we are uh, five boys and two girls. Then we started Abayuti. You yeah. need more girls then. <laughs> yeah, uh, right now, right now we are having more girls. That's for sure. Uh, we are having more girls because um, right now I think we are having like nine girls. Yeah, we are having like nine girls right now because the number is increasing every day. Uh, mm -hmm. We started seven, and right now I think we are twenty-four. Wow, that's that's cool. When I found you uh, on Instagram, I came across your profile because you were doing some uh, actions in the Kasese region, right? What what did you do there? Um, I'll start with the reason why we chose Kasese before I can speak of the project we did in Kasese. Um, and I would like to uh, mostly speak about the why why we chose Kasese and then where the problem came in before we could go to Kasese. Because the reason we went there is because there was a disaster that happened there. So um, in the regions of Kasese, uh, there is a mountain. Kasese is in the western part of Uganda, to remind you. Um, it's one of those places that have been blessed so much with um, natural resources and minerals like copper, uh, cobalt, uh, limestone, so all those minerals are in Kasese, and then it has been blessed with one of the biggest mountains in Africa. It's called Mountain Renzori. Uh, Mountain Renzori is having a height of 5,100 meters, so it's a very big mountain. Everyone who goes to Kasese at least wants to go for hiking on Mountain Renzori. 
Um, so mountain rainwater in the past years has been abused in so many ways um, and the areas in Kasese through human activities. Uh, like um, there was a mining company called uh, the Canadian Mining Companies. It just uh, combined with uh, Frobisha Limited and then they formed um, uh, Kilembe Mines to mine copper and, and uh, cobalt. So this all happened in 1950. So what actually happened, I think these people in my personal view, these people never had a clear plan to cater for the, for the land of Kasese after their mining process. So this is how the nature of Kasese and the topography was disturbed. So from that time, the land never remained the same. I think the topography being disturbed, landslides happened, started to happen in 2013. And people have been facing landslides there. They have been facing floods which have been destroying their homes. Um, they have been, uh, uh, the hospitals have been put down. Roads have been destroyed by these floods. They've been so heavy. So when we saw these activities happening, uh, we just decided to choose Kasese project. We called it a Kasese Relief Project because we made a survey in the first days and then we went to, the, to this Kasese to find a camp that was harboring the homeless people, the climate refugees. Then um, we just talked with the team and then we said, let us visit these people, let us give them some support. Let us air out their concerns because the government was not uh, giving them much as attention uh, as they needed. And the government was not giving attention to this issue, which is very dangerous. And um, so we decided to do something for them. So what we actually did, uh, we set up a GoFundMe campaign to at least enable, enable us to get some uh, financial help because we are just a rising group which doesn't have a clear source of income. We only have some time to uh, maybe raise some money from our pockets if we want to do an activity. So we just started a GoFundMe campaign by the help of a friend in Australia. Her name is Penelope Barger, who also came to Uganda to help us, by the way. And then we are helped by other colleagues. Uh, one is from the US, and then there is a, there's a, a, an organization called KCI from the United States of America. They also worked with us. They introduced us to uh, different uh, organizations like uh, Red Cross. So the, um, we, we set a target of $5,000, but unfortunately, we couldn't get that money, but we got um, 900 which our friend from Australia doubled, and then we are in position to provide something for these people. Some of the things we provided for these people were um, mosquito nets because the place where they were living was um, having some water nearby, which water was coming from the underground. No one could tell why this, this water was coming from the underground, but it happened near the camp where these climate refugees used to live. And then another thing we provided was uh, food in form of uh, flour, cassava flour, because this is the favorite food of these people. Then we are also in position to provide some clothes because the children there were not having clothes. And uh, we provided uh, women hygiene products to the ladies there because um, there are so many ladies and then they could not access this. So those are some of the things we provided for the people of Kasese. And in addition, we invited um, different media houses and our story was covered by three media houses, including uh, Record TV, these are local channels, Record TV, Soul TV, and UBC. UBC is the national channel. 
So after our, our, our project was aired, we are so much blessed that the government came in and at least relocated these people to a place which was much bigger, to um, which could even enable uh, social distancing because of the current situation that is affecting the whole world. And then it has well removed them from this place, which was, was soon going to be flooded with water. Their camp was uh, initially in Kanyange Primary School. Then they were shifted to a place which is much more safer. And we believe with time, at least the government will do something because we want to keep on inserting pressure on the government towards these people so that they can get full support and full help so that they can leave these camps. And then uh, not forgetting the issue that um, we, 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 we just had to share with our community development officer. The community development officer is most of the times responsible for the whole community, okay? So what this community development officer told us is um, the biggest problem for these floods was um, the, the melting of glaciers because our mountain reservoir is a, a snow-capped mountain. So there has been increased temperatures that have uh, continuously uh, melted the glaciers and then causing the, 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 the floods in these areas that are nearby. And then he's saying that there has been an increase in deforestation so uh, mountain reservoir is having a natural forest. And then from there, they provide the highest quality timbers. So that means humans are cutting uh, these trees at a very high speed. So at the end of the day, the increased deforestation is also increasing the floods in the area. Then what we asked the community development officer, um, what are they doing to just prevent this situation? Are they taking action? So he told me that um, they were in a program where they were planning to plant more trees, replace the old ones, but still with the emergency situation because this situation has been happening from 2013 and every at least in May, March, June, it's been happening. People have been killed, people have been misplaced continuously. So it's an annual problem. Uh, that has been happening. So, and then he added on that, that um, the silting of rivers, because there are so many rivers in Kasese that are uh, flowing from mountain Renzori. So he said the silting of rivers has also caused these floods. Um, so in the past days, they used to have a companies which used to uh, remove this uh, uh, mud and all the sand that could uh, cause river silting. But right now they don't have any company that is working on that. So it's been, a, it's been the reason why this uh, has been happening so much. And then he told us that the scientists went to Kaseste and then they made a survey and they said, it's better for the government to remove the people from Kaseste because if they stay there, there is a very high, high chance that the whole town at one point, maybe in a process of 10 years or 15, this town will be swept away by floods because the problem is every day increasing. People are doing less compared to the, to, the, to the harm they are doing to the environment there. Mm. So if the government doesn't, doesn't relocate these people, in the coming years, it will be a worse problem. Either the whole town will be swept away, or at least the highest, the biggest part of this town will be swept away. You were talking about these uh, measures that they are trying to do, like planting some other trees. But of course, uh, if like this is not not gonna stop tomorrow um these floods like they're gonna continue for a while and it's it's unbelievable to think that these people have to be 
this place and they'll have to leave their their home uh, because of that. And have you seen that in Uganda is also happening in other regions, like something similar or it's only in the Kasese region that is happening? There is a place in the eastern part of Uganda. It's called Mbale. Okay, this is where Mountain Elgon is. So most of these land, landslides and floods are happening in, mostly landslides are happening in areas that are mountainous. So in Imbale, it happened in Bududa, climbed so many lives there. Mm -hmm. Homes were destroyed. It's like a very big landslide happened and then it covered homes. Because in these areas, people, people tend to even sit on the steep, uh, the, the mountain steeps. So when a landslide, uh, landslide happens, it's very simple for, for it to uh, climb lives and property. Yeah. So in Bududa, Eastern Uganda, it happened. And then Kasese, those are the two areas that have been marked for the landslides. But for the case of floods, it's happening almost everywhere in, in Uganda. In Kampala, when it rains, maybe for like three hours, the whole city floods. In um, Barara, when it floods, it, it rains, it, uh, it, uh, it happens to uh, occupy the whole city and then floods, vehicles get stuck. We have recent videos uh, from different climate activists are describing this situation that happened in So these things are happening all over the country, but it's so unfortunate that people are not even caring. Maybe they're seeing a flood, but they're not seeing the genesis and the whole story why these floods are happening. Yeah. So we're really trying our level best to create awareness and then open the eyes of people to just not see this as just a normal flood, but see that there is a reason behind these floods and landslides. So this is this is what you're actually doing with the Abayuti project, right? To raise awareness between the like among people. Yeah, can you tell me more about what what you're doing with with your project? Like because I know that you have other apart from the the great thing that you did in Kasese, you have a lot of things going on. So do you want to tell me about that? Um you really have a couple of projects that you are doing besides the Kasese project. Uh, one of them being a uh, plastic collecting. Um, every after every two two weeks, according to this year, last year we are doing it um, at least after every week. But because um, it's quite costly to do these activities, and then just like I told you, we don't have a standing source of income that can at least uh, facilitate us buy the equipments, cater for the plastic that we, co we collect from communities. We decided to do it after every two weeks. In, in the process of collecting plastic, we also spread awareness. We tell people on the dangers of plastic, just like I told you, the highest number of our people don't know nothing about what is happening. They don't know the root of the problem. So along collecting plastic, we create awareness. And mm -hmm. that is the, the, the point that we are uh, putting in front of us this year. It's awareness, awareness, awareness of our people because we cannot solve all the problems in our country. But if we can at least win uh, the media, if we can win the uh, news, if we can win different channels where we can preach to people and tell them the dangers of their actions, I mean, the results of their actions, then this will do for us. Then in addition to plastic, I also have a personal project, uh, project called The Big Picture. Just like I told you, uh, we grew up from the ghettos. I know exactly what the problem is. And the problem is just making problems look normal. So what I'm actually doing, I'm just raising a generation that is aware of the actions, and the problem of their actions, okay? 
I just want a kid to grow up knowing that if I dispose of plastic, I will not only be um, affecting my community, but I will also be affecting other people's community. I'll be affecting a fish that is in the ocean. I'll be affecting an, a, a river. I'll be blocking a trench that is supposed to drain uh, the water from our communities, which may lead to flooding. So that is about the big picture. Specifically, it's focusing on the kids, raising a generation that is aware of the problems in the community. And uh, how is people reacting, for example, when you go around uh, collecting plastic and, and trying to speak to people? Because I saw videos of you like going around with the microphone, like, uh, or how is it called, <laughs> to just um, uh, talk with, with everybody. How are they reacting to, to your information? Um, we're just having people uh, reacting in different ways. Uh, some are giving us positive response. Some are giving us a negative response. Um, in an environment we are, we are living in, um, the highest percentage of people are poor. So what actually poverty, poverty does, it just even changes, it disturbs the mind of people that they never see the big picture of, uh, of an action, okay? So they see this as um, a program that we are setting so that we can get money. So that maybe we can use what we are having to get money from people, to get money from the government. They're not seeing anything like, hey, guys, you're trying to do this for our nature. You're trying to do this for our environment. This is the picture you're setting. We want a clean environment. We want a clean community. Some people are not seeing this. What they are seeing is these guys are using this as an opportunity to break through and find their way to healthy, to a healthy life, to a good life, and all that stuff. But then we are also having people who are giving us a positive response, like the chairman of one of the areas where we work. Um, his name is Tuisenge. Uh, he's the local leader of, the, of that community. So he gave us this uh, platform. Sometimes he engages in our work. So when, when people see that even the chairman is coming in to help, or this leader is coming in to help who has been appointed by the government, They just get an image, at least they know uh, these guys are not after getting money from this project. They are doing something to help our community. So like last Sunday, last Sunday but one, yeah, last Sunday but one, when we are doing our activity, one lady said, hey, you idle youth, what are you doing? Just go and get things to do. You're just wasting your time instead of getting jobs and start working. You're just here spending your time. So they are so, so skeptical concerning our projects. But people are just coming uh, in to just join us uh, because we started as youth. But even people who are outside the, the youth bracket are coming in to join. And then at least we are registering. We believe that slowly in the process, the number is going to increase. And um, at least our society will be affected positively. And do you see that, like, for example, people of your age is more engaged and more happy to help? And, uh, like, do you see that people are more aware of what, what is going on? Um, it's happening, but slowly, okay? Because the highest number of people want to do something where they are paid and they are getting something. But what we are doing is a voluntary work and very few can decide to do what we are doing. Okay, because um, sometimes it takes us to uh, go into trenches, which are not so clean, and this looks like a job of um, maybe people who never went to school. So some people of my age, most of the time, they are, hey, I cannot do this. I cannot do, I cannot do this. So um, somehow, however, joining us, because this the number we are having right now 
is not the number we started with. At least it's increasing. However much it's increasing gradually, but it's increasing. Mm -hmm. So this is a success to be recorded. And in addition, in addition, at least we are getting more experience from uh, different climate activists because I believe me as an individual and my team, I believe they do believe the same way, that this is a work that needs to be done as a group, as a community, as a country. So what we are actually doing, we are engaging in different activists because we know they know something that we don't know and we know something that they don't know. So we are sharing uh, different ideas on how we can advance. Last time we uh, held one of the activists, I don't know if you know him, his name is Nyombi Morris. And then this, 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 Sunday, this Sunday, we are having another foundation that we are going to engage in our activities. It's called, it's called Cherish Aid Foundation. So the leader, the top leader is coming along with three other people. So at least if our communities see that people from outside this community are coming in to help the community that they are avoiding, at least it will touch their hearts and it will create an image in them. Because it always makes, uh, it just, gives questions to a person if they see that maybe a visitor has come in my home and has done something that I have not been in position to do. So if you're someone who is understanding, at least out of 10 people, three people will be challenged. When they get challenged, at least they will just want to know what the cause is about. And this is something that we're just focusing on right now. That's cool. And uh, how you are you trying to engage more people, like through social media or you're talking directly with people? For social media like um, Instagram, because this is one of the pages on Twitter, uh, very few people in my country use these uh, platforms. So for that one, we target the international, uh, the international people, the, the people who are outside our communities. Okay, very few are in position to access social media, um, mostly uh, Instagram and Twitter. But Facebook, at least some people can can uh, can um, access it. Okay, so. Uh, Social media targets people outside our community, but within the same country, okay? Mm -hmm. And then people who are outside our country. So that's, that's what the social media does. But in my community, what I actually do um, with the kids, we happen every Saturday. That's when we always have our activity uh, to learn something about nature and at least to have some fun because, you know, kids, they cannot just come every day knowing that hey, today we are going to study about environment. It becomes quite boring and then yeah. they just drop out. What we actually do, we just add in fun in these activities. We pass a message, but then we make it fun. Maybe today we'll just learn about environment. The next Saturday, yay, we're having dancing. Mm -hmm. So the kid will say, we'll not, we'll not predict what is happening today. So he will get the message and he'll have fun. So these kids dance. We also have programs like football. We have program, programs like swimming. All this we will do, but then at least at the end of the day, we'll pass a message. When you mm -hmm. go to the village, plant a tree. When you go here, pick a plastic bottle and put it where it's supposed to be. So that's how we communicate to our communities. And then another thing what we do, just like I told you, uh, we just go to the streets and then preach to people, just rise up banners, placards, telling them about the dangers of plastic, like in the last uh, global strike against climate change. We just attended uh, with Vanessa Nakata. I don't know if you know her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's her. It's the people who, the people who are in that area, we are rich. They receive this message. So this is how we communicate to people. And then these kids, we tell them, 
during our, our, our classes, just like you know the big picture, we just give them a responsibility. So what we tell them is just tell the people in the communities, if you see them dropping plastic, this is dangerous. This is what you're supposed to do. Even in our last class, I was asking them the challenges they were, they were getting in the communities. One of the girls called Kayezu told me, um, I was telling one guy to stop uh, uh, throwing plastic in the trenches. And the guy was so rude at me. He's <laughs> so working. And then this gave me a good image knowing that at least these people, these kids are starting to see a different image and how things are supposed to be done. Mm-hmm. So they will get challenged and then they will change their, their uh, actions. I see that, that you really like working with kids. Am yeah, I so right? Much. <laughs> and this has been my dream. This has been my dream for so many years. I'm just glad that I started this project. That's great. Um, yeah, I, I want to ask you a challenging question that it's, it's part of the question that is behind this podcast. And it's very important. What does climate justice mean to you? Um, to me, uh, mm-hmm. climate justice simply means uh, doing things that are not going to harm climate. Things that doesn't have to um, affect the climate in such a way that um, it will just pay back. Because every time we abuse climate, climate has to pay back. Every time we abuse nature, nature has to pay back. So to me, climate justice is simply doing things that are in, are in line without harming the climate, without hurting the environment. Things like planting trees as climate justice, things like uh, uh, disposing uh, plastic right, things that have to do uh, with um, keeping oil under the ground. I consider this climate justice. That's great. And how, how can people find you and help you? What is the best way to help Abba Yuti? Um, right now, the best way to help Abba Yuti is uh, joining us and then we uh, fight our challenges. Right now, there is a rumor which I'm, I'm not so sure about. But this is a rumor that has been happening on social media. And they are saying they are targeting Africa and they are making it a dumpster, okay? They want to flood Africa with plastic. I'm not so sure about this, but it's been happening. I've been seeing activists posting about this. So for people who are in areas that have been affected by plastic and uh, oil and other stuff, who have been affected by climate change, are supposed to stand up and then speak to their governments speak to the people who are responsible for such actions, tell them, let us find solutions for this. And then for our, on our youth level, um, we just need um, people to give us a platform to amplify our voices so that we can reach the right support. Because right now we, we have a couple of things of projects we, have, we want to do. Uh, the first one is complete the CASSA project because the issue is, is at hand, but we have been limited by funds. Okay, we don't have enough funds to go back to Cassis and then help the government in planting trees because we can give voluntary work. But then you have, if you go to Cassis, that means you'll need the accommodation, you'll need the facilitation, you'll need other stuff. So we need a funder that is in position to fund our activities. Even if there is an organization that is in position to fund us, and at least we just go and there do and go there and do some voluntary work planting trees, creating awareness, because this is an area that has been affected heavily in the whole country. So we need this, and then we shall do something. 
And then we also need uh, our government to be woken up to act on climate change. Okay, because our government is so silent, it's not doing anything. So we just need, like right now, there is a forest that is under, uh, under attack and it is Bugoma Forest. We need the government at least, because if they cut the forest in Uganda, the neighboring countries are also going to be affected in the long run. We need activists to stand with us and uh, at least voice out this, make it more, uh, make the voice more amplified so that it can be heard. If a government official in Uganda sees a, 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 prote a protester in uh, Germany, US, they'll respond in a given way that, hey, something is going to this level. This issue has gone to an international level, but if it keeps on the ground, they say no one is seeing, because the main reason they are cutting this forest is for personal interest. People, rich people are just cutting it so that they can plant more sugar. You can imagine a natural forest is being put down because of sugar. So we need people to join our causes, just like Greta. If Greta has a cause, it's amplified. Why not Abayuti? Why not Vanessa Nakate? Why not Maurice Nyombi? If you can't support Abayuti, at least support Nyombi. If you can't support Nyombi, at least support Vanessa Nakate. Let people around the globe also engage in issues of Africa, like they engage in the issues of uh, Europe. want more knowledge on climate change okay because we are a group that is just entering the field we know very less and we are open to much more so if there are people who are who can at least give us online courses even if we can pay something small or free of charge we are just welcoming these uh these uh, courses because we need to spread more information more information on these dangers we want to stand in front of the public and tell them an issue and go deep into the details. So we are welcoming courses for the people who know much more on our climate change, on what we are supposed to do, on sustainable living. We just need all this information to be fed into us so that we can cause um, an effect. And then um, we also need the, the news, news to uh, speak about uh, the, the, the activists in Africa, and then what is actually happening in Africa. If there is a possibility that a friend from abroad can at least give us a minute, even if it's a minute on radios, TVs, magazines, if our local channels see such an event, because looks like everyone is trying to focus on a person who has already made it in life. Maybe they have been fighting for climate and they're at a given level, so they will just give that person an audience. But we also need to be aired out. Let us be given a microphone to speak on something because we know better what is happening in communities. We are, we, are in community, we are in communities that have been affected by climate change the most. So we deserve this airing. So yeah. um, we need equipment, just like I told you. We do recycle plastic. We, are, we, we, only, we, we as well cut off the number of days we are supposed to recycle, to collect plastic because we don't have where to put this plastic, okay? But if we, we can be in position of getting uh, like a material that recycles this plastic, that means that we will just broaden our circle and we'll as well increase the number of days we collect this plastic because we know very well that at the end of the day, we'll just be in position to use our own machine to recycle this plastic. And then the rate at which plastic uh, circulates the communities will be lowered. If, if, if the community knows that uh, we're having a recycling machine, 
They will know that at least let me collect this plastic and they take it where the recycling machine is. Our people will get jobs, our plastic circulation will lower up, but because we don't have this equipment, we don't have this machine, so we reach a point that we even cut off the number of days we collect this plastic. I see. I think you, you said something that is very important, uh, that we need to put the, the right importance to African activists. And because you know what's going on there, you know uh, what are the specific problem of, of your countries and you know the communities, you know the language. And it's, it's really important to, that you have your platform and, and you teach us what you need because in the global north, we think that we know everything, but actually it's not true. And, and it's great what Greta Thunberg is doing amazing job but we have to give voice to other african activists that are, they are there and they know what we need like like you mentioned vanessa nakate it's a really important one but there, there are so many and and we need to to come together uh, but also give you space for for what you need exactly exactly <laughs> and then um for these activists activists who have uh, at least made it to the top You know, it always, it always makes you, I was talking to one of the wise men in my circles, and then he's a leader. In fact, he's a local leader of the community where we are based from. Um, he just gave me a challenge. He told me they went to some office one day, and then they asked them, fine, you want to advance from this post to an next post, to a better post, what you think, okay? To a higher post. But I want to ask you, show me a person you have raised Who is going to replace you just in case you leave this post? Mm -hmm. So everyone had no answer. So even the world is supposed to ask these great activists, who are you rising in your circle? Show me an activist you're rising, find you're, you're there, you have a platform, but what are you doing? Show me activists that are in your circle that you're rising. So we also need to challenge people who are in higher positions, at least to give support Let, let there not be one Greta Thunberg in Europe. Let there not be one Vanessa Nakate in Africa. We need Vanessa Nakates all over because the higher the volume, at least, the higher the, the, the chances of creating awareness. If we have like 10 Vanessa Nakates in Africa, that means a very big crowd will be reached. People will have more information. If we had like 10 Greta Thunbergs, what would happen? That means a very big number of people would be reached. So we need activists or people who are in higher positions to rise the next generation. Try to pull someone who is going to replace you just in case you're not available because you're not going to be here forever. But the nature and the environment you are fighting for is going to be here forever. So we also ask these climate activists who have broken through to at least rise someone. Even someone at least to give support to an activist who has made it Let them ask them at this accountability. You have been fighting for the environment, but we need to know someone, at least you have, who has come behind your footsteps, who have been following your footsteps, and you help them so much, at least to reach a certain type, a certain level, and they are also making a change in their communities. This is very important because this is a work that is not going to be done by one person. 
it's so great to see your enthusiasm about this and and your and your smile when when you talk about these topics and how much fun you're having also doing this because sometimes you know um we tend to when we talk about climate change when we talk about activism we tend to be a little bit like seeing everything doom and gloom everything is sad because what is gonna happen But like seeing you so motivated and so happy to do this, it's it's really refreshing. I love that. <laughs> climate, in fact, at my point of view, um, climate change is a social issue to a point that um, along the way, you not only realize that you're saving the nature, but you're also at least being a human. Okay, we always get happy when uh, at least you see you're reaching you're reaching to a fellow human being, just like the issue of Kasese. We just saw smiles all over the faces of people. We saw smiles on kids' faces. We saw smiles on women's faces. We saw men very happy. We saw people challenged. So you also feel proud about yourself. You feel like you're doing something for yourself that makes you happy. At least you're doing something for other people. So there, is yeah. a, there is no way you can maybe talk about this. At some point, you're going to be sad. But then at the back of your mind, knowing that you're doing something human, You're doing something to save people as well who have been affected by climate change. Puts a smile on your face. Yeah, I love that. I love that because sometimes we tend to always think about environmentalism as as we are talking about plastic and we're talking about trees. But at the end of the day, we're talking about people. Like this is the end goal, and and so it's it's so great to hear it from you that this is what giving you energy is like seeing the smile in another person and seeing like the the actual consequences of, 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 of what you're doing, for example, for the Cassese people. So, yeah, thank you so much for that. <laughs> thank you so much for appreciating. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much, Cynthia. It's been a pleasure to be hosted by you on your podcast. It's such a blessing. Looking forward to um, hearing ourselves and all this.